Welcome to Clement Insiders, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Europe's Clement Tech Revolution, brought to you by Clementum Capital. I'm Johan Berno, a general partner at Clementum, and I'll be your host. In each episode, I'll have one of Europe's top founders and investors, and we will try to understand how they think about climate, what has led to their success, and what are the best insights they can share with you to accelerate your climate journey. There will be a lot of terrific guests on this show, and we won't shy away from spikes, secrets, and contrarian views. To make sure you don't miss out on any episode and access all the insights, you can subscribe at climateinsiders.co. Hey guys, our guest today is Agatha Freiman. She's a general partner at Norsken VC, a 125 million euro Swedish early stage impact VC fund investing in technology that solves some of the world's greatest challenges. She comes from investment banking at Morgan Stanley and then worked at a prop tech fintech startup, Breakfast. In today's show, we will discuss with Agato the state of climate tech in the Nordics, the correlation between impact and financial returns, and what does the recent economic slowdown mean for climate, the biggest learnings from raising Norsken and investing in 41 companies. Let's jump right in. Agato, it's great to have you on Climate Insiders. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> As a starter, could you briefly describe Norsken VC for those that don't know you, fund size, geography, and ticket size? Yeah, absolutely. Norsken VC, uh, we were born five years ago out of Norsken Foundation. And today we're investing a 125 million euro fund into early stage startups, sort of seed series A, check sizes anywhere from one to five million euros. And you've done north of 40 investments so far. Is that Almost 40, not quite over the 40 mark yet. <laughs> <laughs> and could you describe the difference between Norskin VC and Norskin Foundation? So uh, just as a, as a background introduction, Norskin is a bit of an institution in Sweden, but a lot of us in the rest of Europe might not be familiar with the backstory. Could you tell us a few words on, on how it got started by Nicholas and, and why? Of course. So the Norsken VC story starts really from the story of the Norsken Foundation, which is, as you said, was um, founded about six years ago by one of the co-founders of Klarna, Niklas Adalbert, with the strong belief that we believe that entrepreneurs will be the solution to some of the world's most pressing issues. So what does Norsken stand for? Norsken really wants to be enabler of impact tech ecosystem. We're on a mission to build the one of the most ambitious Vicious ecosystems globally, so that it's the one-stop stop, one-stop shop <laughs> for entrepreneurs to find anything that they need, from space, resources to capital. And as with Norsken VC, we started to invest five years ago. At first, it was Nicholas and three other unicorn founders that really gave us current blanche to see what we can do in impact investing space. We started to invest across the board, for-profit, non-for-profit, as long as we believe that we're maximizing impact. But through that iterative journey, we learned pretty quickly that the strongest impact cases are the ones where also impact and, and financial returns go hand in hand. Because if you can't, if you are not, if you do not have a global financial potential, you really don't have the potential to also scale the impact. So hence, you really can't dis dissect one from another. And it's about the combination of both of those. 
Yeah, we'll dig definitely into it, the, the, the border between financial return and impact. Um, how many GPs are you and, and what's the team size roughly? Yeah, so we are four GPs who've been working mm -hmm. together from day one. It's myself, uh, Tuve, David, and Niklas. Uh, the four of us uh, really enjoy working together, and we're super lucky to have now built a team around us. So the total team size is 10 today and growing. 10 today. <laughs> Great. And so you are from Latvia. You mainly worked in London before. And you've observed firsthand, right, with fresh eyes, the shift of going into the Nordic ecosystem. Give us a picture of the climate tech scene in Sweden and in the Nordics. Do you think the Nordics will play a central role in this first wave of mega tech climate tech successes? We think so. We think so. And we think that it's already well underway. Uh, there's actually the official project by, I think, Stockholm's mayor office is to brand Stockholm as the capital of impact. I actually don't know whether it's the European capital of impact or global capital of income, but uh, of, of, of impact. But let's hope it's it, it's the latter. And, and I think, I mean, Generally, uh, Stockholm and Sweden has a really thriving tech ecosystem, which is phenomenal for the size of the country. I think on per capita That's basis, right. we're the second in the world in terms of unicorns per capita. And now, uh, so we've seen the strong wave of tech companies coming out of Stockholm. And now I think the new wave is impact tech companies uh, coming out of Sweden. And where does it all start to? I do think that it starts in the end of the day from a really healthy and booming tech ecosystem that now is transitioning into impact tech ecosystem. And one of the most important things is uh, in, 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 in kind of developing and growing a local ecosystem is this power of role models. And I think when it comes to impact, we now have a couple of true case success cases to point at. For instance, you know, Northvolt being one mm -hmm. of the most ambitious impact That's stories right. in, in, in Europe and, and sort of what Northvolt did. So for clarification, for those who maybe don't know, are, are building the European's biggest battery gigafactory, or I should emphasize green battery gigafactory. And when they started, there was a lot of this is impossible. How are you going to raise so much money? And they sort of firsthand showed to everyone that if you have a stellar team, fantastic entrepreneurs, and you have a very clear market need, you can raise the capital and you can raise, you can pull off these kind of projects. And that what we have seen in Sweden that is sort of on the back of their success story, there is a string that of startups within the same ecosystem that have been born. Einride, we're an electric trucking company, Heart Aerospace, electric airplanes, mm -hmm. Uh, to uh, Candela, Exshore, electric boating companies. So it's a very real example of how one success breeds the next one and sort of creates an ecosystem in itself around it. Right. And it's not just startups, it's also funds. I wanted to list with, with you all the funds that we are aware of from the Nordics. Uh, so I can start. Norsken VC. <laughs> uh, there's <laughs> Bell Blue Dot as well. There's 2150, which is more Danish slash UK based. There's Climentum Capital, yours truly. There's Nordic Food Tech from Finland, um, which is more of a food fund. There's Voima Ventures from Finland, uh, which is also biotech, life sciences, medtech. And Almi Invest, which is the Swedish public fund. So that's really it from a, a pure commercial VCs. And then I came uh, across three CVCs, Hell and Ventures from Norway, 
Yara Growth Ventures, also Norwegian, Vestas Ventures, which is Danish. Um, any any other that comes to mind? I think there are a few more. I don't have my full list uh, in front of me, but uh, close friends of ours, Trellis Road, focused on food tech mm -hmm. investments here in Sweden. In Norway, um, Catapult, I don't think you mentioned them. I mean, mm, they sure. also have a, a fund uh, attached to it, and, and we think that what they do is amazing. And uh, I guess those are all the early stages. And then in sort of right. growth and later stages, it's definitely worth mentioning Summa Equity or Trellis Road. So it feels like the ecosystem is developing and growing. It's developing, yeah. Absolutely. So just to summarize, that's about eight climate impact funds with the two that you just added, three CVCs and one public fund for four countries that are supposed to be at the forefront of the climate fight. That's not a lot especially for tech giants, you know, like Sweden. Uh, so we all agree, uh, I think you don't have any objections to that, that we need more capital and more funds in that space to, to accelerate the climate fight. Uh, but at the same time, we've observed some pretty frothy valuations over the past two years. What do you make of, of this, of the, the current market slowdown? Is it good or bad? Yeah, I mean, right now, sort of, you know, just catching up with industry colleagues, reading the headlines, watching the stock market. <laughs> it, it It's sort of a lot of reasons to start to feel gloomy. And, and, and generally, you know, sort of every time you, you go on your LinkedIn feed, yet another fund, uh, you see that yet another fund has, you know, sent out their downturn letter that now seems something that... Yeah, exactly. The the classic VC downturn letter, and and when you see a bunch of those, you definitely start to feel a little bit gloomy. But, but I was actually thinking about it earlier today, and 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 then you realize the importance to kind of lift yourself out of it and remind mm -hmm. yourself that generally VC is long term, and also especially when you work in impact, uh, you know, in the intersection of VC and impact. I mean, there's just so many reasons to be super excited about because impact companies have never been as much on top of agenda or, than they are today. Today, both impact and non-impact investors are chasing impact companies, which is fantastic news. And that also means that many more of them will get the capital that they need to succeed. But I think generally it also forces us to you know reflect on the industry as a whole that i think in the vc mm -hmm. now in the craziness of the market you know funds being launched and coming back at faster rates than ever i think everyone's just chasing the next valuation and and, and sort of comparing notes you know what did you get the round to round de uh, development was it 2x what is 4x was was it 5x and it's not really healthy because we really have to remind ourselves that you know the best vc cases it's all about the fundamentals as long as you're backing great teams that are solving real problems that have strong fundamentals they will succeed in the long term so i think we just have to take ourselves back and, and let's not just chase the next round valuation let's look at it on a 10-year horizon right. <laughs> and on the good side the climate fight is not going away this is going to keep us busy for the rest of our lives and everyone's careers listening um but exactly. also another another important point you made and um, we discussed that is the fact that impact investing might actually be more resilient in a time of crisis. Um, why is that? 
I know generally, I, I like uh, like I, I like this comparison that, you know, VC investing comes down to two things. You can invest in vitamins or you can invest in painkillers. You know, vitamins, mm-hmm. it's nice to have, good to have. But if you forgot to take your vitamins this morning, it's probably not the end of the world. <laughs> but if you right. forget to take your painkiller, if you are in real pain, you're going to think about the fact that you forgot to take your painkiller. Uh, painkiller every single day and I think when you think about impact companies or especially companies solving the climate crisis those are painkillers and I think that globally there is uh, there is just massive demand uh, on the buy side for solutions that help us tackle the climate crisis or help us help us transition into more sustainable territory and that's not going to go away we're not going to solve our uh, climate crises uh, without these solutions so I think the need is much much clearer and stronger and and hence we think that uh, impact companies are more more resilient uh, in the downturns. Now you're talking about painkillers, but we're talking, you know, not just tiny little pills. They typically come in the form of enormous hardware solutions. Uh, what's your view on deep tech hardware when it comes to financial returns and and uh, and the impact profile? Is ten years sufficient to look at as, as a time horizon? I think the VC world has emerged in a lot, both impact and non-impact. I mean, five years ago, when we started to invest in impact, it was still, including ourselves, we said we will primarily focus on software investments because VC just doesn't do hardware. Fast forward to today, we actually see that deep tech hardware companies are now part of pretty much every major VC's portfolio. And then Mm -hmm. you might ask, you know, why? Why for so long was hardware out of fashion, out of favor for VCs? Because it was capital intensive, because it didn't deliver the VC returns, et cetera, et cetera. But today, a lot of the hardware, especially the hardware that we invest in, has this pent up demand where yes you're taking a lot of r&d risk and it's taking and you need a lot of capital to get through all your your r&d milestones but if you do that you have an overnight market so you're actually not mm-hmm. taking the go to market strategy i mean it's it's just one example again northvolt one of our companies it's it's producing batteries i mean even if you take you combine all the world's supply, even by 2040, we're going to be 5x short of batteries for how much demand is out there. And we see that it it has almost become a rule book for us when we invest in hardware. It's always this like, hey, is there this immediate pent up demand? Do we? And, 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 and those are kind of the companies that we gravitate towards is where you take no right. go to market risk, but you have the overnight multi-billion dollar uh, market. Precisely, Chris Saka, you know, uh, hey, Chris, if you're listening, um, <laughs> said that you become an instant unicorn, you know, on paper, if you manage to tackle any other tangible solution to one of the world's biggest problems, right? To remove billions of cows out of circulation, to, re- to, to transition millions of cars to hydrogen or to electricity, to equip airplanes with some hydrogen tanks instant valuation of course the time to market will be much longer but you do have the pent-up demand how do you invest in in a hard tech business though every investor understands the need but they might not have the processes or the 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 culture do you consult external advisors do you have technical committee or do you use scientists 
I mean, the Norscan family or the ecosystem is pretty big. So yes, we we always access experts uh, that we need to evaluate uh, any given case. But to be honest, it's not that different hardware or software investing. It all boils down to the founders. And I would say that for sort of capital intensive hardware investments, Maybe it's wrong to say the bar is even higher, but in some ways, you know, one of the first boxes that these founders have to tick is, are you the type of founder that's going to be able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars? Because that's what it takes to take your product to market. So in a way, the one lens that even more so, like I think if you're in software, you can still you know, you, 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 you can get far with little. So hence, people maybe are willing to give you a little bit more benefit of doubt because all, sooner or later, you know, the, your strength is going to shine through KPIs and, and that's going to allow you to raise the capital. With hardware, it's different. I mean, with hardware, you truly have to believe that this is a team that, that has what it takes to attract those dollars to, um, to, to scale. And could you give us one area? I'm always... You know, you know, asking investors to get really in the back of their mind, understand how they deploy capital and their invest investing uh, uh, mentality. So is a, this is a good trick, right? Give us one area where you have completely changed your mind over the last two years. So you believed in it and you've changed your mind or the other way around. You didn't believe in it and now you, you do. Yeah, I actually was reflecting about it just the other day. Um, I mean, already five years ago, so it's always this bits versus atoms in the impact investing space. And you do mm -hmm. realize that you're, we're not going to solve climate crisis just investing in bits and, and software. You have to tackle the atoms. And five years ago, we were looking at a couple of carbon removal stuff, uh, carbon capture, um, Uh, in, in different shapes or forms. And I was really, really skeptical because at the time, you know, it's capital intensive. I felt like we were the only investors spending time looking into these companies. And, you know, and, and you know, even though you should build your own conviction, sometimes it's a good pointer of, of you know, if no one else is at looking at it, then you should probably, yeah. you know, think extra hard if you're looking at the right thing. And and I, I was really shooting down all the... <laughs> carbon removal cases uh, that were coming our way but fast forward to today that's changed completely uh, you know and and i think there are many reasons why it has changed i think it's maybe because the i like to call it the you know globally corporates countries individuals are making their net zero pledges but the value chain to actually achieve a net zero pledge is really really um Uh, long, even the way you you can say, you know, you need to measure, you need to offset, and then you actually need the atoms that are going <laughs> to take care of the offset. So there's a ton of opportunities to invest in across the whole net zero value chain. And at the moment, the bottleneck is the carbon removal, because there's so much demand for measuring, there's so much demand for offsetting, but we still don't have enough quality offsets uh, in the world to feed all of that um, value chain. And hence, at the moment, we see a lot of VCs, uh, including ourselves, looking for the next um, most promising car companies in carbon removal, carbon short, uh, storage, but all, all of that space that I didn't think looked very attractive five years ago. Absolutely. Just two years ago, it's funny how a vertical can turn into from moonshot to low hanging fruit, almost. Uh, you have exactly, dozens of, uh... exactly. <laughs> 
And, and now it becomes almost out of fashion again because everyone wants to invest in carbon removal. So the shift could happen in a matter of two years. So to entrepreneurs out there, you know, change your narrative as this desire changes as well. Is there any story you'd like to, to share of uh, what maybe one of the biggest learnings or failures since you launched Norskan VC? Something that can inspire both the uh, investors, you know, or wanna be fund managers, but also the entrepreneurs. Well, it's it's tough. There have been so many lessons, and and I always, you know, we're on Norskin VC. We're a startup ourselves, and and I think, uh-huh. uh, I think just the same rules apply for us than for startups. You know, your long term success really depends on your ability to iterate and learn quickly. And I mean, there have been plenty of of lessons, but probably one is that. It's probably going to sound cliche, but you know, when everyone says we back great teams, I mean, you, of course, everyone backs great teams and it it sounds so cliche, but I have to say that the biggest mistakes that we have made or I have made are the ones where I fell in love with something else than the team, where you're Mm -hmm. kind of talking yourself into the opportunity. You sort of think, look at that traction, look at that market potential. The team is good, maybe not great, but there's so much momentum around this that surely this is the case that a good team can carry through. And it never, never is the case because a good team can get those opportunities to a certain stage. But then sooner or later, you start to see that the growth plateaus and, and you know, maybe they have they, it never truly reaches the, you know, long term uh, J-curve or the long-term hockey stick that ultimately we want to see. So I know it sounds really cliche, but it takes doing those mistakes to really, really actually understand <laughs> what it means when people say, you know, you have to invest in in great teams. And there's so many uh, uh, ways to think about this. As an entrepreneur, I, I've been there. Uh, you, you try to show the best version of yourself, right? An investor need to leave the call being impressed because they've learned something from the founder but also the level of grit, the level of determination. So you need to communicate. This needs to, to shine in those conversations. As a, an investor, it's exa- exactly as you said, it's easy to fall in love with a solution, but um, the path to that solution might be, uh, you know, there might be five pivots along the way or just a, and in, mm. an, an outlier team will be able to carry that through and find the right product market fit no matter what, when an average team probably will fall or, you know, trip on, on the first rock. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so it's it's as cliche as it sounds, it does all come down to the team. <laughs> and I also get asked all the time, you probably do as well, how do we enable more people from more traditional industries, corporates, investment banking, or so just uh, startups, right? FinTech, uh, HR tech, to transition over to climate. And the reality is there's a vibrant, very blossoming environment, but there's still in hubs like Stockholm and Berlin and London, just not enough. There's a ton of demand of people that want to, to break through in, into climate, but it feels that there's not enough jobs. Do you have any tips or tricks to share? It's a good question, but I mean, I think any entrepreneur or it doesn't even say entrepreneur, startup operator, who wants to be an entrepreneur, I think there is opportunity in every single vertical. You just have to, I mean, you mentioned FinTech, for instance, one of the recent investments we did was Grunfin, which which is ex-TransferWise team now going into uh, 
turning their focus to sustainable finance. And we see that that's actually a very common theme where we have someone coming from the industry and finding the sustainable niche of any given industry. So I think if you're the entrepreneurial type, you can find an impact uh, impact. Now, what about in pretty much employees? Hmm? People don't, don't can't dare to be entrepreneurs, but want to work for a great startup or a great fund. You should, yeah, you should go on uh, Norsken Jobs Board. <laughs> Uh, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, one one of the great things that we provide as the ecosystem is just collecting all the different uh, impact jobs available in the ecosystem. And I'm a true believer that if you're if you if you look for something, uh, you will find it. And and today yeah. I think you have much yeah more. And out last there time I than- checked. So I kind of purposely prompted you in that direction. So last I checked on your platform, so it's noskan.org slash jobs. We will put everything in the show notes. There was uh, there were 700 jobs listed. Is this just your portfolio or it goes much beyond? It's our portfolio as well as uh, okay. startups in our ecosystem. And by the way, thanks for knowing that number because <laughs> I didn't know that this is going to up going to come up. And I was like, oh, I should have checked what's the latest job count. But <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad that you you were referring to it. <laughs> now, a question do you, do you, to double click on that: Is it mainly technical jobs, or are there opportunities for business folks, operation, marketing, project management? It's absolutely everything from okay. internship position to CEO position across every function, across every vertical. Yeah. And and a tip that, you know, I share with my folks here in Berlin, but also the extended network is it takes time, right, to penetrate a new vertical, but everyone is kind of trying to to, to, to break into it. So just, uh, uh, you know, straight true to your values, this is going to occupy you for the rest of your days. So uh, once you've... you've broken into it you're, you're part of the community and even though you might tackle the wrong problem right work for hydrogen or biochar and want to carry over to airplanes you can certainly do it it's much easier to transfer over once you understand the ethos of the climate tech community yeah exactly and most important thing is that you know follow your passion and everything else will will just just happen it's it's sort of also to be humble that you know it's it, it sometimes take a position lower than 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 maybe your last post if you're if you're transitioning from one industry to another but then prove what you're made of on on the job and and as long as you follow your passion i'm sure that the results will follow and you'll just progress really quickly absolutely so agata are you ready to jump into our rapid fire round I'm nervous <laughs> because I have no <laughs> idea have what to, to expect. <laughs> There's no and wrong answer. And this stays answers. on record for life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's drop the, the pressure. So two options, option A or B. You just give me a rapid answer with your preferred option. Okay. Let's go. So uh, generalist or specialized, what would you categorize Norsk and VC as? And what kind of funds do we need more from now on in your opinion? We're somewhere in between. We're generalist when it comes to impact, but we're specialist by uh, only focusing on impact, uh, impact only. So in that sense, uh, specialist. And what we need more, uh, I think in impact space, we need a bit of everything. We need impact, uh, impact generalists and impact specialists. Maybe what we don't need is another pure play, non-impact, no differentiator strategy VC. <laughs> Right. 
So the second question, contrarian versus consensus. How do you run investment decisions internally? Uh, you have four GPs. How do you, you make decisions on deals? I think we're probably somewhere in the middle. We can get deals through if we don't have consensus because we do learn from the, you know, some of the best funds in the world all say that, you know, do not be driven by consensus because some things you cannot put on paper. Uh, so we follow those guidelines. Um, at the same time, you know, it's super important that you as a team share the same DNA and, and so that you can fully trust your team members. And I can honestly say sometimes you can put up your hands and say, I don't get this, but I know you. And if you think that we should do this, that's absolutely the right thing to do. And and I think okay. uh, unless you have, uh, I would say that everyone should seek out that kind of uh, dynamic and trust. Is that a joker or is that more common practice where one partner falls in love with a deal and then uh, carries it through, even though one other GP might completely disagree? What do you mean by joker or a joker? As is, does it happen once in a you know per fund or uh, is it more regularly than than that? Every now and then, every now okay. and then. But it's also it's a very powerful way to say that hey, you know I don't get this, I don't like this for X Y then reasons. But you have full Monday to go ahead, and for the person who's sort of carrying the deal and pushing through, it gives them a real you know moment of pause it's like hey you know did i fully get down to these questions have i fully addressed these risks am i still comfortable and i would say it's probably half half of the deals will fall off anyway even though you have the mandate you realize that you don't feel about it as strongly enough to to still go against the winds and other times uh, that could end up being a, a top performer in the portfolio now, a financial home run versus an impact home run, in which company would you rather invest you personally? We fundamentally believe that to have an impact home run, you it will by definition also be a financial home run. So because there's a correlation? Scale. There yeah, is one-to-one right. one correlation. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of how we look at that all the businesses we invest in, there is one-to-one -one correlation between revenue and impact. And you can't scale the impact if you don't have the revenue. <laughs> it, so it's in that order, right? It's scale revenues and an impact will come. I guess so. I guess so. Or whichever it's way, because in the end of the day, it is. Whichever yeah. way, okay. <laughs> I guess we'll have to publish or see some some deep dives, right? Some data after after a while on what seems to be the, the per perfect path to, to drive mass massive uh, CO2 reduction in that case. And uh, the next question is one Tesla versus a hundred startups. What is realistically more likely to drive the most CO2 reduction? So one home run, an enormous success or a ton of medium sized companies? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I don't know, to be honest. And and I mean, like sometimes, I mean, we're obviously have the huge startup bias where, where we're really looking for that innovators and investing in early stage companies. The devil's advocates will say that, you know, even if you made the old industries 5% better, you know, you would have a lot more impact than a lot of the early stage companies. Uh, the truth is that I think you need both. You obviously need the old industry to change and you still need the innovation from startups. So Tesla versus a lot of small startups, 
I do think in the end of the day, you do need the home run to create a global mm-hmm. systematic change, just like Tesla has now converted everyone to, to, to electric. And, and I think it's just embedded in our VC model that, you know, that, that uh, a lot of companies that we invest in will, will stay small. But I would also say that we shouldn't underappreciate the indirect impact because you know, maybe you backed a great impact company, maybe it failed. But it's about what do those founders go on to do the next thing? You know, maybe they then create the home run or did they inspire someone along the way or something happened? So it's also uh, I think it's hard to put a finger on it. But we're also true believers that when you talk about impact, there is a lot about direct as well as indirect impact that that uh, is driving the change. That's true. It's it's hard to quantify, and since we're talking about the power law of startups, so one startup tend to you know return a fund or be an enormous financial winner. What is it of funds? Would you say that one enormous fund, let's say Noskan scales to a billion euros under management, versus twenty medium-sized funds that are more local? What is more likely to drive positive impact in Europe? I honestly think you need both. It's never either or, and 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 you need the big global players, but you also always need the close to, close to the ground, small local funds, nano funds that are true specialists in in what they do. So to LPs out there, fund both. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to conclude this show, Agata, for people that would love to to work for a climate tech fund, how can they break in? and get that opportunity. So we listed the job board, they can certainly look at it, but what should they do to land the job? It's, it's. I mean, you really have to understand uh, kind of where's your CV today and, and, and where you want to be. I think today, you know, a, a lot of VC investors, they want ideally some investing experience, maybe consulting experience or, or something in that area. But they also really want startup operators. And to be honest, I think that the entry is probably easier to become a startup operator, at least in the early days, and then transition into a fantastic climate um, climate investor if, if you don't if, if you're not there already today. Thanks so much, Agata. It flew by. It's been great to have you on the show and collect all your insights. And to all of you, don't forget to subscribe if you want to hear for more top climate fund managers. And until next time, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to another episode of Climate Insiders, the leading climate tech podcast in Europe. If you've enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe at climateinsiders.co. Climate Insiders is brought to you by Clementum Capital, a late C to Series A climate tech VC. To learn more about Clementum Capital, apply for funding or become an LP, visit clementum.com.